Uh, welcome to Second Star on the Left. I'm your host, Matt Nelson, joined this week, as always, by... I'm Bert. I'm Chris. And I'm Katie. And we're a podcast on everything strange, fantastic, and science fictional. This week, we're talking about the 1987 Paul Verhoeven film, RoboCop. We get the best of both worlds. The fastest reflexes modern technology has to offer onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. It is my great pleasure to present to you... RoboCop. This guy is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. Old Detroit has a cancer. Cancer is crime. Let the woman go, you are under arrest. You, you better back up, pal! Your move, creep. So, uh, we should talk that um, there is um, some, quite a, well, quite a bit of rape peril in this particular film, uh, in certain scenes, um, that uh, we just want to warn people we'll be talking about as, over the course of our discussion. Um, and copious, copious amounts of violence. Also a homophobic slur. Yes, that's, uh, yes. I gotta say, I, this film is one of my all-time favorites, and I think this podcast discussion is going to be extremely positive on the whole, just because if from our discussion in advance of this film, um, this film is prescient in ways that it, 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 I don't think even it anticipates, and it's full of, like, it's a compact film that like doesn't spare like any opportunity to kind of like poke at what it's satirizing. Uh, it's just it's a great film, and I'm a huge Paul Verhoeven fan, so um, I'm loving all of it. What was all the experience with the film? You know, I'm looking at the IMDb page now, and I think I didn't even realize that there were multiple sequels to this somehow. Um, obviously, different directors, different writers. They all have Peter Weller as. Robocop, but I have to imagine that they, uh, has anybody seen the sequels to this? Two is apparently still pretty good. It's just not as, it doesn't have Paul Verhoeven, mm-hmm. yeah. but it has the same writer, which is also the case with Starship Troopers. Uh, it had the exact same lineage where they had the same writer, same director okay. for the first one. And then the writer started doing the sequels and Verhoeven and they're mm-hmm. markedly worse as they go, but the writer's good and then the third one nobody likes because okay. it's boring sorry that was probably a bad Terrible. thing to lead on we could talk about the movie itself first <laughs> sure <laughs> no well i think the um i think i remember i've seen the sequel a long time ago because i have the complete set on blu-ray and i think that it was it still had something to say which is like the difference with most yeah. sequels where like we had a really lucrative property let's capitalize on it again this film still had something to say and sort of explore a little bit more about what does it mean to have this robot cop um what does it mean for his humanity to to be this kind of like figure um so i don't think it leaned as hard into like the politics per se but it definitely was still present in the film from what i recall yeah i think it's a case where um the writer is good the director is obviously good um you put them together it's great you split them apart it's something it's still good but it's not on the same level like paul verhoeven by himself is like showgirls and that's i mean i don't know if i'd call it successful but it's interesting (laughs) 
And then the writer by himself is RoboCop 2, which I don't know if it's successful, but it's interesting. It's the same thing. I'll never pretend that I understand Showgirls. That movie just kind of goes over my head. Or something. I don't even know if it does that. Yeah. (laughs) But... It's a cult classic now. It's just, it, you know... Yep. I still am kind of mad at it for kind of nuking uh, Kyle MacLachlan's career. I love that man. It's not fair. Um, he had a brief resurgence yeah. on Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ah, Portlandia brought him, and Twin Peaks, of course, season three. He's he's back and in it. I love that man. But yeah, um, yeah, Verhoeven, I think... I think this is a case... I, I was watching this, and de- I mean, I love this movie, but I definitely was uh, having an experience of this script is, like, airtight. It is a really, really solid, like, good... Like, things just go the way... It's just so well efficiently made and, and excellently, like, done. I don't know. And I bet if I watched RoboCop 2, I would not have that impression. So, yeah, it's probably a combination of the two people. Yeah, it is tight. There's not a lot of air in the script. It, it definitely just, like, hits the beats that it needs to hit in order to, like, get you into it and, and then uses, like, the little interstitials to give you a second to, to like, process what just happened each moment. So I, I, I definitely appreciated the sort of, like, pacing and presentation of it. There's a lot of details, though, like a lot of little crazy setups and right. things that pay off. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think the... You know, we're delving into the minutiae real quickly, but I think the interstitials are such a great exposition into the world. Um, they immerse you completely from the get-go as sort of a passive consumer. Like, and that's the thing that I appreciate about Verhoeven is that he breaks the fourth wall without being overt, or, or like, right. like wave. It doesn't wave it in your face. Like contemporary fourth wall breaking is um, not in this movie no not starship this movie. troopers yes. a little for me but not in this one yeah no like it's it sets you in the world it tells you things about the world and establishes a relationship between you the movie viewer to the movie that you're watching and it does so so efficiently like that opening sequence tells us everything about this world uh we were talking um so like the initial opening newscast establishes that Racism is still a thing in this future, which I think is very relevant when you think about the setting of the film itself um, set in Detroit and the sort of the history of Detroit uh, with the race riots and the way that the Detroit as a city has been hollowed out by white flight um, and the sort of restructuring and the way that the city of Detroit has like uh, recently um, I'm from Michigan. So this is really relevant to me. The um, auto insurance companies have um there's a bill that got passed because michigan has no fault insurance so every person is like um their insurance rates go up if they're involved in a car accident uh but people have had issues with this so the legislature's response was to craft a bill that would allow them to build neighborhoods um or like sub sections of insurance risk uh which is obviously going to be employed in a racist way against again the people detroit so like that racial history is to me a sort of a undercurrent of the film that doesn't get explored a lot overtly, but it's undergirding the story of RoboCop and like talking about crime and things like that. What was the original question? What did we think of the movie? Yeah. Okay, what was your experience you with you it? Think of the movie? <laughs> um, I mean, my my opinion on it was overall positive. Like I said, it was just more of um, it was a little harrowing to be like I don't 
know what's supposed to be like over the top satire for you to believe that it's like near apocalyptic because again at this point like I'm sure you know 30 years ago um it was like oh wow look at this this is bananas but now I'm like I literally can't tell if this is satire I, or not I love that one of the indicators of dystopian future is healthcare tax credits like one of, yes. one of the commercials is just like you can pay for this heart with your tax credits and yeah and that's why i was just like holy shit this is like that's i mean that's why i said like i don't i I can't recognize where the satire happens anymore yeah and i kind of tried to investigate like because i'm not from the northern states so i tried to like investigate the decline of detroit and how representative this was at the time because i mean nowadays it doesn't even feel that distant. It's like, oh, they're in Detroit. Of okay. course, the worst city. They shot. They yeah. shot on location. No, but I mean, but like, it's it's hard to tell. Like, I don't know how Detroit was doing in the eighty. I know it was like a slow, long decline where it just things just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So, um, I mean, the eighties. I feel like from what I read was kind of around the turning point to when it turned into what it is in this movie. But uh. Yeah, it's, and, I mean, they never got their, uh, what is it, Delta City? Delta City, <laughs> They never City, got their yeah. silver lining. Yeah, I don't think that's ever going to happen. They, they definitely got promises, though, like, just like they did in this movie. You know, it's no wonder they, they wanted to build the statue of, of Robert Cop. It's, it's fucking, it's Amazon, right? Yeah. Like, that's what it is yeah. now. Oh, we're experiencing that in my state. Like, the place I work, um, right, which I'm not working for long, but at the airport, uh, Amazon just showed up and basically bought out everybody's jobs and they can't compete. It's just like they're paying everybody more to do a worse job, but everybody has to make money. So, and they're horrible. The whole like establishing their own city, right. In like struggling areas or even like not struggling areas. It's just, it's a fucking race to the bottom. And so, yeah, I found a lot of similarities with, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say the sad thing is that they're in the board meeting part when their whole pitch was like, well, we really need to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. That was the part for me. I'm like, oh, it's not actually as evil as some of these corporations <laughs> yeah. that currently exist. Um, I was like, oh, these have a little bit more humanity left kicking in them, even though it's so obviously supposed to be like the big evil corporation in like every possible way still doesn't seem nearly as evil as our current big comp- like corporations today. It's, that's awful. Yeah, I found a lot of similarities with, like, Sorry to Bother You, which I'm sure mm-hmm. was heavily influenced by this. And then, um, which, but I mean, that just came out, like, two years ago. Uh, and it's like... It was written in 2012. 2013. Okay. But still, like, that's way more, you know, it's like 30, 20, 20-something years. And then uh, Dark Knight Returns, the the comic book, there's, oh, man, there's a lot of service to that in this movie. And I... Technically, that was written first by Frank Miller, but I'm not going to give Frank Miller any credit. He doesn't... stupid. <laughs> like, Paul Vera was... The writer for this is, I'm sure, a much better person than Frank Miller, so... Um, but there's there's a lot of, like, beats and scenes that are almost... I feel like they're taken directly from that source material, which is... I mean, it's a good comic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I love... I love, 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 love this movie. It's. I don't think anybody's going to be in disagreement, much disagreement on this one. It was. Uh, 
So I do, I do agree, and and I think that it, there's so much incredible stuff going on, and the world building is phenomenal, and I think the first hour is really great. The last like twenty minutes or so, that's yeah. that ends up being mostly a shootout with uh, uh, with Clarence with uh. Wait, Clarence what is Bodiger? Bodiger, 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 Bodiger yeah. yeah, Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, with, with Red Foreman. Um, <laughs> I I do feel like it loses a little bit of the magic and the sharpness during parts of that. Um, yeah, I think the focus is basically taken off RoboCop, and it because and it's it's because I mean Peter Weller's good mm-hmm. in this role, and as the, I think especially once the helmet comes off, he. Like when he's on screen, he's great, but the problem is, is the villains in this movie are so fucking good. They're they're like <laughs> they're like monstrously good, and there's so many of them, and it becomes a web of like them trying to one up each other. Right. That and it kind of sucks movie, when each of them dies. Like I, yeah, it, yes. it kind of blows. <laughs> yes, the end of the movie becomes like, oh, I guess they sorted it out. Well, now RoboCop can clean up clean up the trash. Yep. And I mean, yep, yep. It is definitely, like, not conventional and not where you would expect the movie to go. But I still, I mean, I still kind of like it just because it's, it's from a script writing standpoint, it's probably not the best. But, like, from the performances and the way the villains are, I'm, I'm okay with it just because they're so good. They're well, all I, so good. I, I did feel like we just didn't quite connect the circle that we were building a little bit um and and part of it is like we we got two stories in this movie and the first story is like here are the horrors of over privatization and like corporate takeover of public infrastructure etc and also we're telling frankenstein and then at some point we lose almost entire like we're just like okay we've wrapped up the like the corporate privatization story we're gonna go do the we're gonna finish the frankenstein story now and then when we get back to like the boardroom at the end of the movie there's like one bad guy in the corporate boardroom and once we kill that guy like like we're okay we're kind of okay with the rest of this evil corporation yeah i think it kind of like it's definitely like a weird unnecessarily like chipper ending yeah. for for and and it and it doesn't really make sense in i mean it, it makes sense but it in in the um satirical sense in the movie it's like well that doesn't really fix anything you're commenting on but then that almost kind of in itself becomes like well it's business as usual like the old man's still there running right. the place everybody's happy but it's like well we fixed we we got rid of the bad bad guys now the good bad guys can continue to screw everything up like it's 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 like a it's like a happy it's it's like a sad ending like a tragic ending masquerading as a happy ending so i kind of like it but right right i get that it definitely it just, feels like what yeah <laughs> yeah it, it just didn't quite connect that last of the dots for me to make right. me feel like okay this is that satirical ending like i get it like action movies end this way so it ended this way but it knows that like nothing actually got fixed i didn't quite get that by the end of the movie yeah i'll say starship troopers does a better job yeah at the end you're like this is so this is awful i get it yeah (laughs) 
right 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 um yeah i mean i agree uh i mean i got a lot of praise for this movie I, that's definitely the one downside i think for me too is mm-hmm. is the end of the movie and you know the the homophobic slurs by the one character in the middle which is just kind of like I, yeah. they could just directors cut that crap out it's it it serves no purpose and it does nothing but it's an um, artifact of 1987 exactly and i mean yeah. it is a bad guy doing it i guess but it's like pretty shitty i agree it just yeah, it, it caught me by surprise because i just haven't heard that word in so long that it was cool. yeah um but the the bad guys are so they're so great in this movie um i mean i love ray wise and he has like three lines in the movie and it doesn't matter <laughs> he, he just his face like ray wise like always looks like he just he puts every piece of his being into whatever he's doing like the scene where he's like he's chasing robocop with the gun and he's trying to get to the to the thing to dump the wreckage and this is in a, in a normal action movie it'd be like okay it's just a bad guy and he's trying to kill the good guy but he's like so into it and yeah. once he dumps it on him he's like yeah i did, I did it. it yes and i'm like i'm like yeah you did it Rewise. good job man way to go <laughs> killing the hero of the movie but it's just like he's so into it um emil i mean emil it's mostly the image the the fucking comb over that's that's braided on the tongue <laughs> it's insane with the facial hair uh and of course uh dick jones uh he's awesome he's such he's such a little weasel ronnie uh, cox is just the most perfect corporate weasel character actor ever i don't know how i'd feel like as an actor if that was my craft like this is yeah. my role this is my niche i do it so well but here i am wasn't, wasn't this his first time playing like a villain though i don't know i'm looking at this I thought I read that that like Ronnie Cox prior to this had usually been cast as like usually different roles like where he wasn't a villain or maybe that was um, Clarence Boddicker's character I can't remember but it was like one of them they normally didn't get cast as like villains I'm pretty sure Kurt Woodsmith wasn't but yeah uh, but Dick Jones yeah Dick Jones he does a great job with it. it it's they're all like all the villains are different in great ways like dick jones i I feel like dick jones could shoot somebody but only if he has them in some like compromised position like he's such a he's such a like sniveling weasel like bootlicker like he's and then bob morton you know is just a dick which miguel ferrer is great at that just just condescending prick all the time and then of course you know Clarence Boddicker, Kurt Woodsmith, man, what a coup for this movie. He is, like... He's so good. Oh, my I'm God. I'm gonna be honest, like, he's he's just magic to me. Like, any scene he's in, it's like he's glowing. I'm like, when is, when is he gonna deliver? Like, when is, <laughs> what's the dude? Like, the first just... thing he does in the movie is throw one of his buddies at the cop car. Like, that's... Actually, yeah. <laughs> it's even better because, like, the first ten seconds... He's screaming about the money being burnt and calling people asshole. And then the guy's like, hold on. He's like, what, what, what the fuck do you want? He's like screaming. And then he goes up and like, this just tells me everything about his character before he even throws Bobby out the window. He's like, or the the back. He's like, what do you want? And the guy's like, oh, the cops are chasing us or something. And he does something that like, I could never imagine doing in my life. 
he starts punching Emil's driving the truck he starts punching him and then he kicks him he kicks the dude driving his, <laughs> his van and I'm like and it's so nonchalant it's just like something he would do and I'm like this guy is like absolutely crazy um and he's also like the only competent person in the entire movie literally everybody else is bad at everything they do like we see murphy and lewis and they like the first thing they do is like split up to go into a warehouse full of like at least half a dozen bad guys like each of the bad guys in the company like the corporate dudes are like really awful at being corporate bad guys like i'm gonna talk shit about this number two in the company in a bathroom full of people and also maybe he's just in one of the stalls like everybody is really bad at their jobs except yeah is great at everything i think in uh in murphy in murphy's case it's fine because he's from metro south and he's like a he's a good he's a he's not accustomed to like that kind of environment exactly he's in over his head and then lewis i think is more like buttoned down like i got this i know what i'm doing and Mm -hmm. she just gets in a bad situation but clarence like it he's so good that it's it's hilarious because every time I watch this, it gets to the scene where he he shoots off Murphy's hand and then they kill him, and he the right at the beginning of that he's like he he throws him down there and he's like, I bet you don't like me very much and I'm I'm like no Clarence no we we love you he's obviously being rhetorical but he's just so charismatic and yeah he's he's amazing he's like my favorite thing in the movie. Um, in a movie about a lot of great things, so. <laughs> um, I don't think there's any other. I mean, there's there's Ed, whatever, like stupid uh robot. Uh, that doesn't really count as a villain, I don't think. What a terrible design! Like, who made this? Like, we're gonna Hit police Jones. it. So <laughs> another another example of stunning incompetence. They designed this war robot that like comes up to stairs and is like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do with these things. It also gives you twenty seconds to comply. The whole thing's hubris. It's just like, yeah, uh, it's cool. We'll give them twenty seconds to comply because they couldn't possibly blow it up with military grade weapons. <laughs> twenty seconds is so long. I know, but well, see, it wasn't love- long enough for Kenny. I mean, you know, yeah. I, love that, I love that scene though because I think, you know, to talk about like the scripts and the exposition, that scene tells us so much about the world and about um, OCP. And the and Delta um, Delta is like the major corporation over them, basically, right? right. Um, so like the fact that he like Ronnie Cox effortlessly segues from talking about this as a community enforcement tool to a way to leverage into a military contract, right? right like right. just those like little things in the script that I think are so incredible, and they tell you again so much about the nature of the military industrial complex in this film. That I think also says a lot about the military industrial complex, obviously, in our world, because this is just so natural. It's so normal that this is like the developmental trajectory of, well, it's this community policing thing. Let's do this on a community that is basically not even people. Like the way they talk about crime in this, I find so fascinating because it's not about acts, it's about a presence. It's an industry. Right. Yeah. Well, there was there was that whole like presentation before they even like showed the video, right? Where they talk about how they've been privatizing everything, including hospitals, yep. right? Yeah. And they're just like, "Well, good business is where you find it," and like that's the kicker to me. Like that's where it's just like I felt so deflated. 
I was just like, fuck, this is this is absolutely how people operate. And it's yeah. not like, just that. It's also that they clearly, and I believe that this is how it works in real life too, which is why it's so brutal. But like, they're like, yeah, we, you know, we privatize these hospitals and we privatize these police forces. And we're really like making a difference in the community by doing that. And, and making like, a lot of money. Like, this, yeah, is, like this is the fucking Elon Musk, like, boring company. Like, that's exactly what this shit is. Like, right. we're really, like, doing it. We're making people's lives better. Um, like, that's real. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so much of it. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's funny because you watch the movie and it's like, I feel like they're supposed to, they, they reveal things and you're supposed mm-hmm. to be like, it, they're supposed to be like beats that are, that you go, oh, Oh sure. well, that's what's going on. But I just take it for granted. Like when mm-hmm. I watch it, I'm like, yeah, that, of course that's what's going on because that's the way the world works now. <laughs> like, of course the police are privatized and they're not going to unionize. And I mean, that does it's happen per- in the real world, but it's worse. Yeah. yeah. And then the military, of course, the military is involved, and like, of course they're they're going to privatize healthcare, and and of course there's race riots and stuff. Like this is like, oh yeah. But I think when you're watching, you're supposed to be like, oh my goodness. This awful dystopian future and all this, all this, this is what's happening to our world. I'm like, I guess nobody took that message away, or if they did, it didn't matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's so. This is a case where like it's so prescient. It 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 just borders on. Right, because like, watching it twenty years later, thirty years later, and you're like, yep, that's okay, cool. That's yeah, fine. there's very few things that are that even feel future. I mean, there's robots. <laughs> Even then, like, we have drones now. and st- I mean, if there were drones instead of EDs in this movie, you'd be like, okay, I'm sure the remake was, like, so. <laughs> like, they just... I'd they be interested in watching the remake. I, I have to assume that it's one of those remakes that just entirely misses the point of the originals, because I feel like a lot of people watch Fairhoven movies and just, like... Yeah, I, I don't I know the- what happens. I don't know what the disconnect is there, but I've talked with people about Starship Troopers who just, like clearly didn't get it yeah. didn't get it because they were just like yeah this movie is which like it's fine to dislike starship troopers it's not fine to dislike starship troopers and not understand what it is trying to comment on or how it's trying to do that and people are like yeah i just hate starship troopers it's just so stupid it's just this dumb action movie and it's just like eh, how does this happen to people i watched it a long time ago and i think kind of i think i can speak to a little bit of what you're talking about um so I think it actually relates to the end of the movie of RoboCop itself. So, like you referenced, um, there's two major sort of like story arcs or conflicts. One of them is the sort of the corporate, um, the the corporate culture and how that's a problem. Like the corporate culture is clearly why a lot of bad things are happening. Um, the ineptness, the incompetence, the the greed, and then uh, the other storyline is sort of like Peter Weller trying to reclaim his individuality and who he is as a person. Like he talks about how his his family he can't he can he can feel them I think but not like be with them. He or can't remember them. He can't remember them. Yeah. And so in the movie, I think they lean into that sort of the individualism thing. And so like, like the end of RoboCop is uh, we shoot Ronnie Cox. He falls off the building and well. An alien falls out of the building. His arms. Oh my god! That vaguely resembles Roddy Gox. Um, I think they had to do it with like a two D animation 
and it just like really made it look so weird when he fell off the building it's it's great it's a classic bad (laughs) yeah so it's fine so um the 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 resolution of robocop white feels i think unsatisfying is because robocop is we've killed the individual bad guy but that has not addressed any of the problems that the movie has also introduced right. us to. It's like assassinating corporate... Donald Trump. Like, that wouldn't fix anything. Like, yeah. That's that's what we did here, is we assassinate Donald Trump at the end of the movie. And um, the the RoboCop, the other film, really leans into uh, Gary Oldman as the bad guy. He's the problem right. of this thing, not the whole corporate overlay and dystopia and how, er, yeah. how everyone's yes exactly bad apples not how people are engaging with the world itself and that's i think why the other movie fails spectacularly and why i think this one doesn't have a satisfactory um, resolution or climax because you, you can't really address those things without robocop taking out the entire ocp everyone there yeah and also I like think... the solution isn't robocop going in there and destroying everything on his own yeah, I think the reason people don't don't come away with the meta narrative or the the satirical nature of it is because Paul Verhoeven's like one of the very few directors who uses like the language of film satirically. Like he's actually like using the manipulation of the audience through storytelling satirically. Which, unless you're like aware that's going on, if you just go to like watch a movie and eat popcorn and have fun. You're not even going to... Like, if you're one of those CinemaSins guys who looks for, like, uh, continuity er- con- continuity errors, you're not going to pick up that you're being played because you're just focusing on the plot and what happens and, and stuff like that. Whereas if you're focusing on what the movie's about, you're instantly going to be like, oh, oh, this is, like, not that kind of movie. And then when you get, like, in Star... Especially in Starship Troopers... Like, if you don't make it through halfway through Starship Troopers thinking, wait a minute, what am I being sold here? Then you're not going to get it. You're, you're going to be like, okay, it's just a dumb action movie. Uh, you take it at surface level. Mm-hmm. And then it's just dumb. Like, But he knows that. He's doing that on purpose. He's, he's making... It, it feels like he's making a movie somebody else would make in an alternate reality. He's like, you know, like some other dumb director would make this and not have the sense to be like, aha... You know, I'm, I'm this gonna is what people the, want. I'm going to introduce the triumphant theme as RoboCop leaves the police station. Da-na-na-na-na. And just like, that's like the dramatic <laughs> scene. Uh, that's the music that's like, oh, he's doing the things. And that doesn't mean like, oh, we just sent a robot out just like to murder people indiscriminately in the streets. That was right. that was the story of this. And there's, and throughout that process of scenes, there's definitely this like half and half. Like you can feel the sense of, oh, our hero's going to save the day. And then the sense of, like, everybody else in the movie and, and, and the world of the movie being like, this is fucking horrible. What are we doing? Like, if it, it's... They just fight against each other the whole time. And it's it's great. Like, it's something, like, he would do, but... it And it's interesting, like... I can't think of many directors around that time that, that would do satire in this way. You know, if I think it's, like, satire, it's, like, Mel Brooks or something, which is, like... yeah. Then you're Pretty getting the audience the to nose. laugh. Yeah, yeah, like, and this is not... In in very few instances, it's interested in winking at the audience. Usually in, like, the newsreel footage and stuff, the commercials are very mm-hmm. clearly like, hello, this is funny. 
like we're playing it up, but everything else is like straight laced. So yeah, I it's it's fascinating though. I, I really love him as a director. There's still a little work you have to do while watching the commercials. Like yeah, like <laughs> like I I like that you had pointed out when we were chatting about the like the chain of like presidents and former presidents dying or almost dying. <laughs> like clearly oh, they died. They're dead. Right, well, yeah, the the ones shot by the laser absolutely are dead, but like I mean, big the actual- loss, you know. Right. <laughs> oh no, we lost Ronald Reagan and George Bush. Oh, <laughs> what will the world do? Um, but yeah, it's definitely like they're they're like, oh, it happened to the laser happened to hit this section of California and it happened to kill two former presidents. Weird. Anyway, back to. Back to uh, all in the family. I think it was also before the ISS was actually launched into orbit, too, so that's why it's even better. It has that Star Wars panic, Ronald Reagan era stuff, but Mm -hmm. which, I mean, the fallout from that is, I I think it would be hard to really, like, foresee (laughs) where that would end up, because it, I mean... It's not quite what everybody thought at the time, which was like lasers hitting people from space. But you know, give it give it ten years, maybe we'll be there. <laughs> Orbital <laughs> platforms. Um. Yeah, I find like gender stuff in this movie is kind of kind of interesting. Like something I kind of I kind of enjoy is is like Lewis and and. Uh, Alex Murphy just have this kind of platonic camaraderie that just never it never feels like it has to turn romantic at all. They're yeah, there's just, not even a hint of it. It's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. Um I mean and and Lewis is just doing her thing. Uh I we had talked about the nudity because I guess in the X-rated version there's more nudity, but it's I I appreciate that like at the beginning of the movie there's just this locker room shot of of boobs and they're just like yeah so what we're in the same locker room who gives a shit we don't, we don't have time to like look at boobs and freak out like it's yeah just we got like, we got way more important things we got people are dying about, like <laughs> no one has time to be horny exactly uh, <laughs> except Bob Morton <laughs> he's he's earned his time I guess and Ray Ray Wise. Like uh, that character, yeah, the the sex two, club. The only two people who got horny and they died. So I mean, like that's a really <laughs> classic message. Classic so. message. It's horny like a horror movie. <laughs> Ro- <laughs> Robocop is Jason. <laughs> that's weird. I was just having this conversation with someone before I logged on. Uh, well, Clarence Boddicker is also horny because he he hits on the secretary, who actually, it, funnily enough, I went on the Wikipedia. That's his. That's uh, Kirkwood Smith's wife. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and to be fair, he is like, he is just so confident. She looks like she's not having any of her shit. I'm like, they're made for each other. That's that's gonna work out. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, but yeah, gender wise, otherwise, like, uh, I mean, the rape panic stuff. Obviously not great. I will say at least. You know, if you're gonna have rape panic stuff, have the rapist get shot in the dick, and then have the victim 
get told what they need to hear and and the support they need. I mean, that's something. Yeah, he was actually <laughs> like, programmed with well, experience trauma. It doesn't like, need to be so, in so the like, movie, but you that, know. that's I, I do this work um, related to stuff like in real life, and I was actually kind of surprised to hear the direct naming of a rape rape crisis serve, a rape yeah. crisis of like. Like, because I don't see those usually happening in um, uh, TV shows. No one's, it doesn't like, even happen in like, stuff those... today. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to say yeah. what it is. Yeah, everyone right. pussyfits around. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think. There's there's a very 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 small undercurrent when the guy says he took out Lewis in the warehouse, but that's like. Eh, and that guy, that guy's the, the problematic thing of the movie because he's the one yelling the homophobic slurs and and going off. But I mean, um, outside of that, like gender, there's bitches leave, which mm-hmm. I mean, that's fine. That's character stuff. Problematic fave else. as far as a line goes. Like I mean, it's such a good line though. It's a like, really good line. It does make me feel bad for liking it so much, but I it is a character moment and. It's what know. that character would do. Like, right. Clar- Clarence Boddicker gives me, like... He's, he's like, the duality struggle of masculinity for me. Because he's so awesome and confident and scary. But he's also obviously evil <laughs> and horrible. So it's like... It, it, and but, it, it kills him at the end. Like, he dies as a yeah. result of his, like, believing in his own infallibility, basically. Like, anybody else who it's is kind of like, a hero's death, though. I mean, you know. I guess, kind of. He goes out swinging, I mean. But it's, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not a belief, it's not a belief in, like, the justice of his cause or the doing the thing that must be done. He does a thing that's really stupid and shouldn't be done, going after, like, an invincible robot because, like, this guy he knows is going to go to prison if he doesn't. He's got to be the alpha, man. That's what... <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, bad reasons, and he dies for it. And sure. then he goes and fights the, the Terminator thing, and he gets killed because, obviously. Sure. Oh, you're saying it's the start of the video? Huh? I was going to say, this is the start of a video um, where, just like the someone did that video saying that the Joker was the real hero of the Dark Knight. Oh, right. A robot in a top hat tells you about <laughs> how the this SJWs is the, are... This, yeah. is, this is the start of how someone's going to be like, Clarence Boddicker is the actual real hero of RoboCop, and it's God. the start of his journey. I'm more of a fan of guys with uh, skulls and like glasses of whiskey that they don't actually like very much and probably they're smoking. <laughs> That's my favorite genre of like libertarian jackass video. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the other thing is like, I mean, crime crimes are cool. So Clarence so Car- card does crimes <laughs> and most of the time they're not violent. The only violent ones he does is, well, he has rape on his record. That was in his record, and the, the I think that did a lot, a lot to be like, oh, he's a shithead. He's also like pretty comfortable with and excited for violence generally. So. Yeah, but to be fair, the only violence he does is he kills cops, which mm-hmm. in the world of the movie, that's not good. But that's the the theme in this movie is a fantastical world where, um, what if cops were good? 
and did what they're supposed to do. That he like just kills cops though. It's like no, it's a slow torture. Yeah, that's fucked up. And I mean, in and he also he kills Bob Morton, which again, eh, like the guy, the guy wasn't that redeemable. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I I will say like, I feel like the dystopian fantasy of this movie is definitely what what if a cop was good and did what he was supposed to oh my goodness what like that's well he'd probably have to be a robot first exactly yeah even then like i would imagine if the if if a privatized military industrial company made a cop robot out of a dead person it'd be a fucking nightmare i mean it kind of is but they wouldn't be good he and he does technically overcome you know he rediscovers his humanity and that's what makes him good but even then i mean he was originally a cop we were in a fantasy world where cops are not n-a-c-a-b that's what we're doing here so i mean i'm it's it's interesting but it's definitely like whoa and then yeah we we talked a little bit about they're talking about unionizing (laughs) and it's like oh well the movie it's interesting that they have this kind of facet of the movie where it's like unions are pretty good and that's what workers should do but then i'm like yeah but cop unions man those things are shit like it's all people in the real world yeah exactly like we're 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 in that suspension of disbelief where it's it's okay unions are good but it's a cop union oh but in the movie you you're supposed to side with the cops so it's like okay that's fine you, you, that's suspension of disbelief where the cops are okay in this movie it's fine yeah you have like multi like mil, like multi-billion dollar corporation that's evil or cops it's like well <sighs> see that's what that's what i love about this film though because it's it goes back to uh what's the point of robocop like every part of the script works together the point of robocop is that he allows you to kind of break the union right like, there's no point having normal human employees at that point we just have a RoboCop that patrols twenty four seven, is never tired, can do whatever he wants. Eats um, baby food. Yeah. Eats baby Except food. It requires I don't know some human death. <laughs> right. Yeah, Oopsie that's, that's baby. Part of the, cost of the corporation. Yeah. There's there is an interesting point in this movie where there's like you feel like it could turn to, we made RoboCop and he's gonna fix all the crime, and that's the message of the movie. We just need a a super cop to save the day it's like a superhero movie but it does the right thing and takes the turn into well he's not a human anymore so he's just a tool and then he has to rediscover his humanity to become the fabled good cop that's the only way it can happen so um yeah and i think actually like murphy starts out the movie i mean he's he's trying to be a good guy so we're getting the fabled good cop at the beginning of the movie it's just like he pays the price (laughs) well yeah i I, I love even that his family so like i think this is like the difference between filmmaking from like verhoven versus like right 2019 like that little kid in the devil costume like that little kid looks like a shithead (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah yeah he looks like a little fucker like this is not like in 2019 we see this grand ethereal hazy it's warm colors he's like seeing his wife in bed together and they're like looking at each other and, like longingly and like gentle music 
And this one, it's this little kid, like a little fucking little devil poker. Going like, yeah, yeah. You're like, damn. Did you say devil poker? I know it's a trident. Or like a, it's a pitchfork. <laughs> it's a pitchfork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. pitchfork. Yeah. Sorry. Trident's, trident's and pitchforks are pretty slow. I'm going to go to a farm and be like, ah, oh, that's a devil. nice devil poker you got there. <laughs> I See, like I'm that. from Detroit. I'm a city boy. Uh, that's so, I think I think he's credited at the end as Devil Poker Boy. That's what he is. <laughs> that's his official credit. Uh, so, so I just love that his like well, like there's nothing like necessarily warm about that. Like we see him recalling his memories, but we don't feel like we the audience should be manipulated by them to feel connection to his humanity. I, it's just it's a are nice little sure? touch. I think, I think we are, dude. You. I think that's just you. I yeah, mean, it's it's definitely hokey, but I feel just, like it's. Yeah, the thing I get from it is like that that David Lynch Blue Velvet '50s nostalgia type, like hokey. Yes. Almost leave it to be, and but the, at the same time, like it's it's definitely satirical, but there's some grain of like, yes, this is actually good. On some level, it just has the dark undercurrent to it. Is all. Yeah. I just think that it's funny that so I have to go back to Devil Poker Boy. <laughs> I just think it's funny that like out of all all four of us here, the only person who has overtly expressed the desire for kids is Matt, and he's over here like this kid looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just did. He does. What a piece of what happens if you have a kid, Matt? He's a piece of shit. Yeah, they, pull out, they pull out a devil poker on you. What are you gonna do? They make you watch TJ Laser. Uh, and everybody's performances are just atrocious i also love that house where it's just like this place is fucking falling to shit like hello welcome to tour this house anyway here's all of these fucking dead dishes it's detroit i was i was like shattered I was like, this is probably happening these days. Like, they, they can't even, they don't even want to put a realtor in there to show people it. They just, like, just put a TV screen in there. And if somebody wants to buy it, that's fine. It's at, like, way below market price because it's in Detroit. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe, Mer- I guess he's from Metro South. He probably moved. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's funny how, how Alex Murphy is is at the core of the movie, but, like, his background and... It's all just rote, like, it's it's not hugely important or deep. It's just, he's the good guy. He's doing good things. And that's, and satirically, that's, I think that points to, like, yeah, there's good people out there. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, okay, sure, there are, you know. It's mm-hmm. all in quotes and whatever. So, I don't know if you all saw this. There was a recent blog post that was going around um, talking about the Game of Thrones finale and breaking down God things into sociological versus psychological um, storytelling. Mm-hmm. And while I didn't... I think the... the, the so the storytelling was basically that... Or the, the thesis of the article was that Game of Thrones started off as a very sociological story. And that was what was really in uh, engaging for people. And along the way, it became more of a psychological story towards the end which is less engaged for people or that a significant tonal shift and why people didn't really connect with the final couple seasons. So I don't really necessarily agree with that premise per se, but I think that's an interesting way to kind of like think about things on a, a sort of spectrum or like how they work in two different spheres 
perhaps of exploration because I think this movie is really interested in the sociological um, and the psychological of Murphy's trauma. Yeah. It was like a little bit there, but it's not as compelling, it's I think, to taking Verhoeven. a back seat to the yeah. sociological, yeah. Which is fine. And, and, no, it's totally fine. I think the challenge is the movie doesn't balance between the two very well. Like, the effect, like later on. Uh, <coughs> like towards the end, yeah. Yeah, the movie struggles to uh, dot that I, as it were, mm. and really bring home the psychological horror of it. Because I think it starts to get the, you there as a viewer. Like, you see, like, Murphy, like, unscrew his head and pull the helmet off. Yeah. Um, that's total body horror. But. Yeah, uh, there's a weird amount of body horror in this movie. Uh, but yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> oh. Well, I was, I'm also like struck as I'm thinking about the um, the body horror in the newer one is really amped up because there's a scene where they show it's basically just like Murphy. All that's left of him is like an esophagus, a brain, and like kind of his stomach, like half of it. That's 2014, I think. Yeah, the 2014 yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and so it's just like the body horror there is like amped up like tenfold. But anyways, I think the sociological versus psychological, you know. We think about that in terms of the plot resolution. Those sociological problems haven't been solved, and so maybe that's something that's feeling um, like a like we haven't. Um, in music, there's like the you know you go back to the resolving chord. That the right. movie doesn't quite feel like it gets there with this, and maybe See, that's that feeling. Yeah, I feel like that's why my favorite thing in the movie is is the montage where his life's flashing before his eyes and he's on the stretcher, just because it 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 does such a good job of like merging the two things it's like mm. it's clearly sociological like all these all these like it, it feels kind of lynchian it's it's all this like weird uh suburban stuff like suburban, suburban stuff and he's flashing back to it while he's on a stretcher and there's blood everywhere and it's like a fucking nightmare and then like it, it the music is out of control i'm like this is this is amazing it, it's like a weird fever dream and I'm there for it. And then, like, yeah, it. the rest of the movie doesn't... It's not hitting that sort of thing, because I think Paul Verhoeven, like, I think that was just a perfect storm of both of, of the people involved and, and what was happening, whereas the rest of the movie is, is Paul Verhoeven doing what he does best, which is great. But that one sequence is like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's like what I think of when I think of the movie. Um, Paul Verhoeven typically, though, yeah, I, I don't think... The psychological is so much on his mind as saying, you know, the world sucks and it, it's just like inescapable. Um, the body horror stuff is a little weird. Like, like uh, I mean, I love it. I love it. It's all great makeup work. Uh, the Emil thing especially feels like it's from a different movie, but it's a great different movie. Uh, yeah, we got we got some Cronenberg stuff going on when he gets dumped in toxic waste and immediately mutates and. And then it gets liquefied. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, speaking of speaking of cars, I think for some reason to me, like the funniest moment of the entire movie is when RoboCop goes on patrol and he's just like driving around in a regular cop car. Of course. Just giant robot police officer and just like a little like regular Crown Vic or whatever they're then, driving. Yeah. yeah. A six hundred SUX, yeah. No, no, no. That's the that's the luxury <laughs> model that the people buy. Right, he's in a yeah. K car. <laughs> yeah, in the pretty future. much. 
in the future everything will get 8.2 uh, miles per gallon and dinosaurs will bug out their eyes at the cars so you all like obviously like the satirical you know parody of it um, was something that really, really landed for y'all what, what was the point of this movie do you think you know and did it land for you What's the point of anything, really? <laughs> I feel like that's the point of the movie. Uh... Did this movie work for you? I think for me it works. Like oh, yeah. I think that it it nails this sort of like the attitude of um, capitalism in a really just it it nails it in a way, and then Verhoeven has like this like incredible control and economy to just like have the whole story synergize with telling the story about capitalism and it sounds like cliche to like point that out but it, it's true like this is just this nature of like uh you know neoliberalism okay i should say like that's like capitalism but neoliberalism specifically yeah. like the privatization of everything possible for profits um the lack of human life viewed as valuable in service of profit so like profit always comes before human life um I think just like the the politics of crime and poverty are so prevalent and just like right front and center with the movie, it's so hard to not see it. Yeah, um, I think it definitely works. It's it's, I mean, the message of the movie to me is basically like, it it's essentially like the filmmaker or the scriptwriter's worldview, which is look at all this shit that sucks and nobody's doing anything about it. Which is a very hard thing to make work, <laughs> especially in a movie about a robot cop. Like, like it's it's a very, I think for any director that would be like hard to get across without seeming, without seeming like needlessly nihilistic, not having a message to your film. But this film it works. It, it does a great job of getting all that across and still being a good movie in itself, having some positive things to say, having something to root for. You know, even if at the end, it's it's like a downturn. It's like, ah, oh, you're rooting for, you know, the same old shit. You know, new boss, same as the old boss type stuff. But it's still, it works. <laughs> oh, no, I thought it was great. Um, and it's probably the most anti-capitalist movie we watched so far. Um, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I don't really have anything negative to say. I just want to point out that we should say it's Dr. Peter Weller because he does... Okay. Have a doctorate in fine arts, so. Damn, Dr. Peter Weller. Dr. Peter Weller, who also PhD. plays jazz. Yeah, Dr. Peter Weller, PhD, giving lectures on Italian Renaissance art. That's cool as hell. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what he did after this, and also plays jazz, so. Check out this churrascuro, citizen. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah. Yep, I agree. It it really did most of what it set out to do, and I appreciate the perspective, and it, it's pretty wild to me that a movie from 1987 could, like, so many of its predictive moments just, like, kind of mostly came true, and that's, it, I mean, obviously that's really uncomfortable, but pretty impressive at the same time. So, would you say this is, uh, for this question goes to everyone, would you say this is your favorite Paul Verhoeven film, or no? Yes. No, I... I haven't watched any of the other ones. You haven't seen Starship Troopers? 
Oh my god. We're in for a treat at some point. The only other ones I know of are Starship Troopers, Showgirls, uh... There's one he... Total Recall. There's one he did recently. Oh, yeah, okay, I have seen Total Recall. Uh, I think... But this is... I think this is better than Total Recall. Total Recall is... I think Schwarzenegger is a bit more of a... It's more of a vehicle for Schwarzenegger than um, him exploring... Like, Robocop and Starship Troopers, I think he really explores these worlds... And Total Recall is that more of that psychological piece. Yeah. Essentially for me, like, Starship Troopers, me personally, I, I have a kind of disconnect because of, I mentioned the actors in it and the acting. It's kind of weird for me. And then Showgirls, uh, I haven't seen, my understanding is it's an enjoyment on a different sort of level. So, uh, yeah, this is Head and Shoulders, like, his, his best movie to me, but... Yeah. It's probably because of my relationship with Starship Troopers as a concept and right. like having read a bunch of Robert Heinlein and stuff like that and how it takes that and just totally like makes it a completely different product and I really appreciated that sort right. of thing. But I, I still have to have Starship Troopers as my favorite sure. Paul Verhoeven movie. I mean, it's definitely but a second I, for me. Yeah, so. I mean they're close. They're very close. It's it's not like particularly relevant which one I'm putting above the other one because I do think they're both excellent. Sure. Yeah. So we'll come back next week with another film for you. Uh, signing off. Uh, this is Matt. I'm Bert. I'm Chris. I'm Katie. And uh, thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Second Star Cast. Um, and find all us there on social media from there. Thank you for your time. Have a good day. Bye.